Amen and amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. I want to jump right into the Word tonight. I want to thank our praise and worship team. What a wonderful job taking us into the presence of the Lord. I want to just jump right into this Word. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Isaiah chapter 10. Verse 27, one short verse. You can stay seated tonight. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. When you got it, say amen. It says, On that day his burden will fall from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. The yoke will be broken because of fatness. One translation says it this way, the last verse, it says that the yoke shall be broken because of the anointing. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the strong and in the mighty name of Jesus. It's the name in which we are to pray. It's the name that is above every name. And Lord, we just turn this time that we have to come to study your word, Lord, just to be in your presence and to Holy Spirit, come and make this word alive in our hearts. Quicken us. God, we are as much spirit as we are as we are flesh. And Lord, we just pray that you would quicken this word in our spirits tonight. We need our spirits lifted up. We need our spirits encouraged. We need our spirits set on fire for you. Lord, someday this flesh may die. It may go corruptible. But Lord, we're going to be incorruptible with you one day. Lord, we are eternal beings. And Lord, we need to be set free from the things of this world. And we need to have our eye on the prize. We need to have our eye on the things that count for the most. And Lord, we ask that you would bless every heart that's here tonight. Let them be able to receive. And God, let lives be changed so that we can be more like Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. I read this verse to you tonight, and hopefully by the end of the message, it's going to make more sense to you. Uh, Hopefully it'll kind of summarize and bring a little bit of uh, context back to it. But before I jump into this thing, I want to set a little bit of a background. I want to give a little bit of history on some things that the Lord has been Uh, showing me things I have been studying out, kind of where we are uh, in in our timeline, our prophetic timeline of events. And I'm sure, especially being Pentecostal, we have heard messages on uh, the spirit of Jezebel. How many of you have heard a message preached on that before? Raise your hand. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. You're not unfamiliar with that. You're not unfamiliar with all of the things that surround that. But I want to give a little more context and I want to paint a little bit of a picture for you about what was going on in Jezebel's day and time, maybe a little more so than you know. And then I want to give you some things that, that, that the Lord has shown me. I want to break some things down to show you some tricks of the enemy and then how God's going to set people free. So i got to go through a little bit of a a background here and and set a bit of a stage. And then this verse I just read to you is going to make more sense at the end. But like I said, I've been doing a little bit of study regarding King Ahab and Jezebel. And I refer to her as the wicked witch of the West. And I'm telling you, if you know anything about Jezebel, she pretty much fits that role. Um, you can read about their story, Ahab and King, uh, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel in 1 Kings and 2 Kings primarily. But just to paint a picture for you of what her name means translated in the Hebrew, her name means dung heap or pile of garbage. That's what her name means when translated into the Hebrew. The thing that you have to understand about her and why she is so vile 
and why she is so um, to, to be rejected and to be forsaken really from the Israelite perspective was because she was the one that introduced the worship of such false gods as Baal and she also the Asherah poles. She, if you know any bit of the history, I want to fly through bits and pieces of this stuff you probably already know and then hit a few more things in detail. You'll know that her husband Ahab was a very weak king. He was a pacifist in the sense of trying to keep her happy. He was very much a pushover king. She was the one that ruled uh, the, the events of that time behind, behind the king. She was the one really pulling the strings. And together they led the nation away from God and ultimately they pursued this whole motivation to first silence the prophets of God and ultimately they ended up killing many, many, many of the prophets of God. They tried to stamp out any of the remnants of the true worship of God and they began to lead people into a form of worship that was really nothing more than worship of the earth and then they would do things uh, such as having, and I'm, I'm just going to get graphic tonight if that's okay. Uh, I'm not going to talk about anything your kids don't hear about in school anyway. Come on, somebody. But they would go through uh, worship ceremonies unto Baal where they would bring in the king and, and the false priest and these priestesses and they would bring him into the temple and they would just have temple prostitutes and they would do this and government officials as a form of worship orgies unto the false god. Now how many of you know that's going to upset God? And that's exactly what happened. The people at that day and time, the vast majority of them, they were agrarian, they were shepherds, they were farmers. Most of them could not read, they could not write. And so what happened is, as Ahab and Jezebel began to silence the true prophets of God, as they began to lead the people into false worship, the people didn't know what was acceptable and what wasn't as a whole. And so they were being as, led as sheep to the slaughter by Ahab and these false prophets. And so what they were doing, the people would come in, the, the, the people of the nation of Israel would come in, and they were simply doing what they were told. Now, I'm not trying to erase any sort of responsibility that they had, but they were simply following what they were told from the leadership down. And you see that to this day, in fact, you can look it up in Samaria, in the region of Israel. Samaria was a town, but it was also a region. It was a capital city from which Ahab and Jezebel reigned, and they actually have went in there and they've done all the archaeological digs and they have dug up the palace of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And I thought it was interesting as I was doing some study that the main gate that went into the temple court, the, the, uh, the palace court area where their, where their palace was located, on one side you had a temple to Baal, the remnants of which are still there. And then on the other side of this entryway, this gateway into the palace, they had an altar to Baal, which is still there. I mean, to this very day, it's still there. And as people would come in, they would be required to make sacrifices, animal sacrifice. Sometimes they would have to uh, 
participate in orgy and offerings and things of this nature with these false prophets in order to even go into the presence of the king. Now, I'm just laying back a little bit of history. Is this okay? I'm trying to put things in context for you. And Baal was the God in which they worship. He was the God of the sun, the rain, the thunder, fertility, and agriculture. And basically, Baal was the God that took care of anything and everything that a rural agrarian society would need. Took care of the farmers, took care of the shepherds. And all of a sudden, you now have Jezebel. She comes on the scene and she introduces a false god. And this god of Baal was a god that would obviously satisfy and appeal to the lusts of the flesh. Ritualistic, worshipful sex was something that happened all the time that they participated in. You had the ritual prostitutes. Even child sacrifice was a part of their worship. You can find that in Jeremiah chapter 19, verse 5. You say, well, Josh, what are you laying the background for? Why are you giving a little bit of this stuff? Because I want you to know that I bring all of this up about Jezebel. Because of all that time thousands of years ago and the times in which we live right now, the circumstances surrounding the time are very much the same as what we see today. The tricks of the enemy thousands of years ago are the same tricks that he uses today. Are you seeing this, church? Now, I know I've heard similar preaching like this before. You've heard heard it preached on the spirit of Jezebel. And listen, I don't know if there is a spirit in hell named Jezebel that is running around on the earth. But what I mean by that is to say that the characteristics of the plan of the enemy at that time, all those thousands of years ago, and the things that were at work are the same things that the enemy is using today to great effect. It is an evil, familiar spirit that is at work today that it was at work back then. Even the book of Revelation addresses Jezebel and shows that there are four things identified according to what we're calling the spirit of Jezebel. And I want to hit on this first one, and I think you'll understand. One of the first things that the spirit of Jezebel will introduce into anything is the spirit of lust. The spirit of lust. Can I tell you that the spirit of lust is run rampant today? Y'all are quiet tonight. One of the first things that happen is a seducing spirit of lust. It is a spirit that says you can go out and do anything sensually, and sexually, and there is absolutely no recourse, there is no consequence, and if you disagree with the spirit of license that says you can do whatever, whenever, however, with whoever, and how many ever you want, and you have any difference opinion, you are to be shut down as judgmental and a bigot. That is exactly some of the nonsense that went on during Jezebel's time. Not only is that spirit being rampant in the sense of persecuting the church, but now it is being pushed upon the younger generation unlike anything we've ever seen. We see children that are being conditioned for this kind of stuff in their home environments, in their school environments, on social media. Can somebody say amen? It is in their face all the time. Sex, and when we hear this expression used so often in the news nowadays, conditioning. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
When we hear of women and young boys that get raped and taken advantage of by older people, they often will use a term or an expression saying that they are being conditioned. In other words, they are being groomed to participate in sex and sexually explicit things at a young age to the point that it is now normalized and it is run rampant all across the world. Now, in the nation of France, I believe, I hope I'm not wrong on this, but it seems like memory serves, that the age of sexual consent is 13 in France. 13. So sex is a huge tool that the spirit of Jezebel will utilize to bring down any nation. The next one that it will do is fear. Fear. Jezebel loves to operate in fear. If you remember anything about Elijah's dealings with Jezebel, even that great prophet, even that great prophet became afraid and hid. Fear is so rampant in our nation today, in our world today. COVID, the fears surrounding COVID, the economic impact that's going on, literally they have no clue really what's going to happen to our economy. No clue. The political divide that we see in our nation, the division that's happening in our nation. I heard not long ago on a report, I think it was on Drudge Report, that now said roughly a third to maybe more than a third of the American voters are supporting secession. That's 100 million Americans. We have the governments of China that hates us. We have the government of Russia that hates America. We have the North Koreans. We have the Iranian government. We have all of these things that are confronting people today. And even the Christian, it is all with an attitude and with a motivation to instill fear on you and to keep you so worked up that you have absolutely no rest. Which leads me to my third point. The spirit of discouragement. Discouraged. Elijah wanted to quit because of Jezebel. He simply wanted to give up on God's assignment for his life. He wanted to just retire and he wanted to do away with it. He didn't want to deal with all the drama. He didn't want to deal with all the nonsense that was surrounding that. The fourth thing that is a step beyond that, and this is ultimately where it ends up, is into a point of depression. Do you know how many people are depressed nowadays? Depression medications. And listen, I'm not against anybody that needs depression medications. Come on, somebody. If it's legitimate and it's, it's medicinal, you need, that's fine. There's nothing wrong. But what I'm saying is it is a spirit. It is, an, it is an agenda from hell that follows an order of events just like what it did in Jezebel's day. It's the same spirit that's on the earth right now. Now, these same characteristics... These battles that were fought all over the world and even in the church that we see it happening today is due to the spirit of Jezebel. And again, I don't know that there's a spirit in hell by the name of Jezebel. But what I am saying that there is a plan, there is a coordinated attack straight from hell itself that has been unleashed on the earth and it is, it is the exact same agenda that the enemy used all that time ago to what it is right now. The devil's schemes and his plans have not changed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So there's three categories. And I know I'm throwing out a lot of just numbers and categories now, but I'm trying to make some sense for you. There's three things that these demons, that these evil spirits seem to work in. 
The first thing that he'll do above and beyond these things that I mentioned a while ago is that he will come in, and one of the ways that he affects Christians the most is he'll come in with what I call torturous spirits. You say, what do you mean by torturous spirit? The Bible talks about tormenting spirits. You say, well, what are tormenting spirits, Josh? These are the kinds of spirits that attack the mind. And they come after your peace. Come on. It starts there. Usually when the enemy comes in for an attack on your life, it will always start in the realm of your thinking. It always starts right here. And it will plague you. And these kinds of spirits, anytime the enemy wants to make an advance in somebody's life, it will start with the mind. It becomes a mental struggle. It becomes a mental battle. And it comes in and you can't shrug the thoughts. You can't sleep at night because you're thinking. You're thinking worst case scenarios. You're trying to figure out 5 and 10 and 15 steps ahead of what's getting ready to come down the pipe. And it's always these torturous thoughts and thinking that come on somebody. How do we know? Well, the Bible in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, it talks about that there's a spirit of fear. That's what the scripture calls it. It's a spirit of fear. It's a tormenting spirit that comes and it affects the mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 refers to what, what, it, what it really calls is a hindering spirit. Hindering spirits are those that always come to oppose you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I've been in conversations with people and they, they talk about their life. They say, man, I just can't catch a break. Every time I get victory in one area, I immediately run into some dilemma here. I run into some kind of drama here. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. And we're, we're not, I'm not here to give the devil credit. I'm simply here to shed light on how he operates. They are hindering spirits. They come and they just oppose you. And, and every time you start to gain some ground somewhere, there's just this constant battle It's just a nagging war that affects you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one in the house? Okay. So this is what we're talking about. There's, these are hindering spirits. It's an attack that will affect you. It wants to create a heavy spirit in your life. It wants to see you defeated mentally. It wants to see you defeated spiritually. It wants to see you beat down. They come for the purpose of trying to wear you out. They go against your, your, you get weary in well-doing. And many times, let me just say this, that these spirits, believe it or not, they will often utilize people. Come on. These spirits, they look for people to come that they can, that they can become a part of, that they can empower, that they can influence to come. And they twist and they manipulate things, certain personalities. Some of you are thinking about people right now because this is how real it is. But I also want to tell you that God chooses to use people as well. Through the Holy Spirit, just as the enemy wants to utilize people, and he often does, God wants to utilize people through the power of the Holy Spirit and the church, and he does. Somebody say amen. So God himself came wrapped in human flesh, Jesus to do his work. But listen, even the Antichrist one day will come and he will clothe himself, Satan himself will clothe himself in human flesh. And he will begin to do things after the rapture. Tormenting spirits. They're real and they come to hinder you and they come to oppose you. 
It's what Paul was talking about where he said everywhere he went, it just seemed like it was a battle after a battle. And Satan would hinder him. And even three times, the scripture says, in one instance, three times he came and prayed for deliverance. But every time God would respond and say, no, my grace is sufficient for you. I want to just stop and give a little pause here about something. Grace isn't that you won't go through things. Grace is not that you won't be attacked. But grace is God will provide a way of escape. He will provide a way of escape. Even though his way of escape may not be exactly what you want. Let me give you some examples. Grace is when Paul was preaching and they stoned him and thinking he was dead, they left him. Only that later on he got up and went preaching. That was grace. Grace was when Paul was shipwrecked. Nobody wants to be shipwrecked. But grace was when he made it to shore on the back of some floating pieces of wood to be rescued by the people on the island to get warm around the fire only to then be bit by a viper and then shake the viper off in the fire and go on with ministry. Listen, grace does not keep you from problems, but grace will make a way of escape. The reason some of you are being so hindered right now in your lives and what you're growing through is because God has you on a mission and an assignment. That's truth. Somebody better say amen to that. That's the reason the church feels this oppression right now. The pressure is being put on the true church. Listen, the Bible points out that the weapon will be formed. We sing about this all the time in here. But it shall not prosper. My grace is sufficient for you. The second kind of thing that will happen beyond these torturous spirits, and this all comes through the spirit of Jezebel, is what I call just simply impure spirits. Now what happens here? You see, torturous spirits, they come and they impact the mind and they affect your thinking and they turn your thought life into nothing but a constant battlefield. But the enemy doesn't want to stop there. The enemy wants to take you further. He wants to take you down the line and he wants to see what I call impure spirits. Usually when the Bible talks about impure, or when it talks about immoral, immorality, things of nature, really what it's talking about, frankly, is it's talking about sexual things. The majority of the times it's talking about sexual things. But you see, impure spirits, what they want to do is they want to come and bind. And so what happens is the battle moves past your mind. And now what happens is you begin to see the influence of the enemy to manifest in your body. You say, what am I talking about? Okay, I'm talking about addictions. The enemy wants to come in and now drinking alcohol or the struggle with alcohol is no longer something just fought up in here in the mind. Now you have developed actual addictions and it's being manifested and lived out through your physical expression. It's being manifested in your body that it becomes obvious that there is a bondage there. That's why we see things such as alcohol. We see things such as pornography. We see drugs and on and on and on and on and on, different things we can go. And all of those things are simply manifestations of the spirits, the evil spirits influence in your life. And so it moves from the battle in the mind to now being a physical manifestation being seen and evident in your life. Can I tell you that most people 
I, I don't know, maybe there's a few out there that are just crazy, but the vast majority of people never, stop, or never, never start drinking with the idea that they want to become an alcoholic. Nobody ever starts doing drugs with the idea that, oh, I want to become a drug addict. Nobody ever starts looking at porn thinking that they'll eventually become an addict or partaking in illicit sex and, or gambling or whatever the thing may be. Nobody jumps into it with the idea of it having control, but that's what the enemy has done. Because it moves from the mind and now it moves from a torturous spirit to a binding spirit that gets control in your life and gets addictions into your life, but it doesn't stop there. Ultimately, it moves into just plain old evil spirits. You see, evil spirits, they want to control and direct your life. They want to control and direct the trajectory of your family, your nation, and this world. Can I tell you that there are some strong evil spirits at work right now? Strong evil spirits. I'll give you an example of something I heard not long ago that according to George Barna, that nearly 50% of Christians don't even believe in the devil. Professing Christians, 50%, nearly 50% of professing Christians don't even believe in the devil. You say, well, what do they believe in? They use the term devil as simply a descriptor of some kind of an evil you know, it's just a term to describe some sort of evil force, but that the devil himself doesn't even really exist. Well, can I tell you he does exist? In fact, the Bible says that Jesus saw him fall from heaven like lightning. He does exist. I heard not long ago in another study that said nearly 50% of Christians don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. Christians. And these are deceptions. These are things. These are thoughts. These are evil spirits that have influenced things in such a huge regard. Can I tell you that this stuff is real? These spiritual forces that we are fighting today, they're not just some out there thought. They are a real enemy force that the church has to fight. Somebody say amen. We see the results of evil spirits controlling the lives of people and nations all around us. I'm not just talking about goofy things. I'm talking about evil. I'm just, I know I'm in here in, in rural Southeast Missouri and Bible Belt, USA, but I'm going to tell you something. Abortion is as wrong as it gets, in my opinion. Come on, somebody. How you can rip a child apart in utero, in utero and not even bat an eye at it, that's evil. Now listen, if you've had an abortion, I'm not here to condemn you. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. I'm not talking about somebody that's seen the error of their ways and repented of their sins, but I'm talking about an agenda that is out to kill and murder millions of babies. That is pure, unadulterated evil. Come on, somebody. I heard a report the other day of a Planned Parenthood official in Texas talking about women being, quote, forced to carry a baby to term. Forced to carry that child to be born as though it's some sort of horrible, evil thing like it was a prison sentence imposed on them. Forced on them. I heard of a California law that was just signed into effect a week or two ago by their governor that, that basically teenagers in the schools in California... They can now, if they want to transition from one sex to the next, they can go to doctors and they can get prescriptions for certain hormone drugs. 
and they can bill their parents' insurance without the parents' approval or the parents' knowledge of what's going on. So in effect, you as a parent, one day you're in California, you get this statement in the mail from your insurance company for a service for thousands of dollars, and it won't even give you a descriptor on who it's for or what it's about. And if you ask your child what is going on, they do not have to tell you according to the law. The schools in California don't have to tell you according to the law. The insurance company doesn't have to tell you. The doctors don't have to tell you. They can do whatever they want, and the parents have no rights That's pure evil. Pure evil. There's hate all around us. I heard of an incident in Italy just the other day that that just rocked me because when I read the report, it said that there was a mother that had her two-year-old child that evidently, they're not saying for sure that she did it, but they suspect her of stabbing her two-year-old son to death Nine times, nine stab wounds, nine times simply to get back at her husband or her ex-husband. And she was so out of her mind, she walked into a a grocery store counter and set this lifeless two-year-old child's body down on a counter in the middle of a grocery store. Insanity and evil. Come on, church. This is evil. This spirit of Jezebel, these last day moves of the enemy, they are real. The Bible says in the last days that seducing spirits and evil spirits will be stirred up. That is exactly what we're talking about. And this is the kind of evil on par with what was going on with Ahab and Jezebel. The prophets of God had been silenced. And they had been pushed aside only ultimately to be shut up and many of them murdered. Can I tell you that most of them would love to do that if they could get away with it right now? Come on. What do you think's going on? What do you think the, the persecution against the church nowadays is? They want to remove God. They want to remove the church. They want to remove the prophets of God. They want to throw off any kind of restraint, mention any kind of fear of God, any notion of God, anything to do with God. Now we have people that claim that they're boys that are born boys. Now they claim to be girls and vice versa and two-spirit this and I don't know what all. You say, well, what is all that about? That is just simply people that are saying, you know what? I'm not agreeing with what God has made me. God has created you uniquely who you want to be. But these evil spirits come in and they say, no, I'm I'm not. Somebody says, well, I know I might be born and I might look this way, but they're rebelling against God simply saying, I am not the way I look. It's rebellion. It's the spirit that we're seeing. And I know I'm not here to preach the problem, but I am telling you all of this because in spite of how things look, God has not left us powerless. Did you hear me? God has not left us powerless. We can bind the enemy. We can loose what needs to be loosed. And we can bind what needs to be bound. Today there are people that are in here where they have assignments over their life. Where God has given them assignment. Where God has given them destiny and purpose and plans. But I want to tell you, the enemy's got an assignment for your life too. And if he can't get to you, he will use somebody else to get to you. He'll get to you through your family, through your spouse, through your kids. He's looking for ways to get to you. But you do have power in the name of Jesus. There is something to be said about the name of Jesus. There is something about the blood of the Lamb of God that breaks all the curses and all of the bondage. There is power in the Holy Spirit to break the devil's assignment.
There is power. I'm not saying that the weapon isn't being formed. I'm not saying that the enemy isn't getting a lot of the stuff done that he wants to get done. But I'm telling you that we as the body of Christ, we can rock his world for the kingdom of God because God has not left us powerless. If you are saved, you might be dealing with a certain curse of the enemy. You might be dealing with a curse, but you also have a covenant with God. And your covenant with God is far greater than any curse of the enemy. Did you hear me? You see, the church has got to be at this place. Not just speaking in terms of the national level and all the stuff that's going on in our country and around the world. But we have to begin to speak to that nasty spirit Jezebel that might be going on in our own lives. Going on in our own families. You see, that spirit of lust, that spirit of fear and discouragement and depression... Is that not in some form the main areas that our nation is suffering from right now? Come on. Is that not in some form the areas, the the, the major areas of struggle that we see our world struggling from right now, even in the United States? Here's where I wanted to get. I'm bringing this thing to a close. I know I wasn't going to be up here long tonight. But I'm bringing this thing to a close. You say, well, Josh, what's the scripture about that you read? Well, here's the thing. I'm going to ask John and the praise team if they would go ahead and come. How do we deal with this spirit of Jezebel? How do we deal with these different attacks and these different things that the enemy, these different tactics? Well, I'm going to tell you. We deal with it exactly the way that they dealt with it long ago. The enemy's plans and tactics have not changed and neither have God's. Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27. I'm going to read it to you again. It said, it shall come to pass in that day that the burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the fatness. That's what one translation says. It says because of the fatness. Another translation says because of the anointing. And really the parallel there, what it's talking about, the difference in the fatness and the anointing is this, is that when it's talking about fatness, it's talking about more than enough. The extra. You're going to have more than enough. And can I tell you that the anointing is more than enough for the problems confronting our church right now, confronting our world right now, and confronting you right now. The anointing is what breaks the bondage. And let me just tell you something. If you're not careful, you'll sit around and you'll watch everything that's going on around us in this nation. The insecurity, the economic insecurity. People talk about retirement and all this kind of stuff. I'm not trying to breed fear. I'm just telling you, I don't know. I don't know if there'll be any 401ks next year. I don't know if there'll be any IRAs next year. I don't know. Come on. Two or three years ago, we would probably say, well, yeah, I mean, I don't know why they would, but here we are two or three years later in this day and time. Who knows? I don't know what a gallon of milk's going to cost next month, next year. I don't know if there's going to be any food shortages. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about the job situation, but I do know that there is an anointing. Come on, somebody. I do know that there is a fatness. I do know that there is an excess with God, that there is an abundance with God where he will supply your needs. Like I said earlier, listen, grace isn't removing you or keeping you from any problem, but it is providing a way of escape. So I want to ask you tonight if you would go ahead and stand, and I want you to be really honest with yourself. I want you to be very, very honest with yourself tonight. In any form or fashion, I gave you a description of Jezebel and how she's at work in our nation, how she's at work in so many people's lives. 
Maybe she's at work in your family. Maybe she's at work in your own individual life. You say, well, Josh, I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. That's fine. You can be saved and redeemed, but you can still be in certain areas of bondage in your life. Come on. It can still be there. People that aren't walking in the fullness, people that aren't walking in their true liberty in the Lord, they aren't walking to the full extent and accomplishing what they want to accomplish, maybe there's some things there. If you feel any of these things that are coming against you, if you feel they are coming against your family, we know they're coming against this nation. We know they're coming against this world. But if any of these spirits, any of these things we've hit on tonight, if they're hitting close to home, you say, well, first thing that you got to do, how do you deal with this? Well, the first thing you do is that you got to find the root of the problem. you got to get to the root of the problem. I'm going to tell you, I've been in a lot of counseling sessions in my day, talking to people, trying to help them through problems. And, 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 and one, of the, one of the things that you usually, not all the time, but, but many, many times, the first session or two, you really don't get anywhere with them. Most of the time, you really don't get anywhere with them the first time or two. Because my experience has been, you gotta, you got to weed through all the excuses and all the pretense. You start talking to people about problems and they want to give the cover story. Well, why, why, you know, why, why is this going on? And then they kind of give me some sort of excuse and, you're, and, and, and you try and weed through it. The next time you go and talk about it, about, about the second or third time is usually when you start making headway because that's when you find the root. And can I, can I just tell you, if you're going to get freedom, if the anointing is going to break any kind of yoke and any kind of bondage in your life, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to come clean and you can't, you can't make excuses. You've got to say, here is the real problem. Here is the real issue. I'm not making excuses. I, I don't have a pretense. I'm not trying to push it off on somebody else. I'm not trying to play victim and excuse myself. Here is the real problem, bottom line. Come on, somebody. In other words, you just got to be honest. And you got to be open. And that's the second thing. You got to be honest about the issue. You know, Jesus, many times you read throughout the, the, the gospels when Jesus would go heal somebody or he would talk to them and somebody would be delivered from a demon or whatever. He would ask them questions. What can I do for you? Demon, what is your name? Because many times when the demon would give the name, the name of the demon itself would let him know exactly what the root problem was. Even Jesus himself would start doing some digging and asking questions and finding out because he was trying to get rid of any kind. Can I tell you, if you're going to be set free, you can't be playing games. And one of the reasons the church has lost power and there's so much bondage and there's no anointing is because there's too much game playing going on. So you got to find the root. you got to be honest about the real issue. The third thing is this, is you got to confess and you got to repent. So many people, you say, well, Josh, what is that? Confession, confession is simply saying, I agree with you, God. Confession is agreement with God that the thing that you feel that conviction of, you're saying, yes, God, I agree. I was wrong.
you were right. That's what confession is. People say, well, isn't that repentance? No, that's not repentance. That's just confession. Repentance then comes next. When you confess, you say, God, I'm sorry. I was wrong. You were right. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen this. I'm not making any excuses. I confess. Repentance then is the next step. And it says, okay, God, now that I've confessed, now I repent. And with your help and the help of the Holy Spirit and good guidance and good counsel and the help of the Word, I'm going to go the opposite direction. That's repentance. But can I stop? It doesn't just stop there. You need to take it another step. The next thing you need to do, and this is really one of the things the Lord laid on my heart for so many people tonight, and here's a big one. You wouldn't think this would be such a big issue. It is a major, major issue. When you confess and you repent, then you need to do this. You need to forgive. You need to genuinely forgive. If somebody has wronged you, you forgive them. Josh, you don't know what I've been through. No, but Jesus does. How many of you have ever been wronged horribly? Raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now raise your hand to this. How many of you ever wronged somebody horribly? Raise your hand. Okay. You gotta confess. You gotta repent. You gotta forgive. Here's the next thing. When you forgive, don't just forgive somebody else. You gotta forgive yourself. You know, one of the things that that the church is struggling from so much right now in this day and time, we've lost moral authority. You know what moral authority is? Moral authority is that authority. We're, we're, not, we're not saying that we're perfect. We're not saying that we're sinless. But there is a standard of living. There's, there, there's a standard that we live by. How many of you know God's standard is holiness? And that ain't changed. Come on, somebody. That's word right there. That's Bible for you. It ain't changed. And, but moral authority is where you live your life to, to a, a measure of standard unto God. Not saying we're perfect, but you try and live a holy standard. But what happens is, so much of us, when we fall short of that standard, this is what we do. We hang our heads down. Well, who am I? Who am I to tell anybody? Who am I to try and give an example and live a holy life? Who am I? Who am I? And the enemy keeps us down to where we don't have any kind of semblance of authority to take people by the hand and say, let me show you a better way. So you gotta, you got to confess, you got to repent, you got to forgive. <clears throat> and here's the next thing. Know this, you do that right there, God is going to set you free. He straight up will set you free from whatever it is that's binding you. And then tomorrow when the enemy comes in, here's what you need to do. You need to make sure this. Matthew chapter 12 talks about this. When God sets you free from the enemy, you need to make sure that you fill your life with as much of Jesus as you can get. And I don't mean next week, the next month, next year. I'm talking about the moment you get set free, you better start filling him up with Jesus as much as you can get. As much of the word as you can get, as much as praise and worship as you can get, as much of the spirit of God as you can get. Get in the word. If you don't fill that void with the Lord, the Bible says, Matthew chapter 12, what will the enemy do? He will come in. He will go look around. He'll look in the dry place. He'll go grab seven of his buddies. And he'll come back in those same spirits of lust, of fear and discouragement. 
and depression, those things that have plagued our nation and plagued so many people's lives, he will come back in a more powerful, robust way. So tonight, it's really about being set free. It's really about being set free. I know it's hard, but this is no time for the blood-bought saints of God to run off and be in fear, to be bound up in addictions and whatnot. Do you know how many people I talk to probably on a daily basis that just in some form or fashion, just through their conversation, they own up to me, they're telling me the mental battles, the mental struggles that they're going through, the worries and things that they're battling right up here. And people are looking for answers. Jesus is the answer. You say, Josh, that's basic preaching. But here's my question. If you are struggling and you feel like that, 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 that the enemy has come in, you've been, you've been suffering, where there's been an attack in your mind, there's been an attack, you know, maybe there's addictions, whatever the case may be. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's discouragement, maybe it's, maybe it's any of these things. If that is you, I want to tell you, that is the spirit of Jezebel in some form or fashion at work. At work. And if that's you and you want to be set free from that, Jesus can set you free tonight. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you are battling that stuff right now, I want you to raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. Come on, keep them up. Keep them up tonight. Don't put them down. Several hands are going up. Okay. Now this is part of the, here, this is part of the deliverance. This ain't about me. This is all about you and Jesus. I'm going to ask you to come up. Be brave. Those of you that raised your hand, come on up. Come on up tonight. Line up right up here in the front because we're going to pray for you. You know where this is going. The enemy knows where this is going. And when you come, I want you to come expecting. I don't want you coming up here just think, well, I'm going through another religious motion. If that's how you're going to treat this thing, come up here expecting tonight. Now what I need is I need some Holy Ghost filled prayer warriors to come up here and line behind these people that are up here. If you would, can I get some people to come on up? Come on, please. We're going to give them just a minute to come up and then we're going to pray. guys through this all right those of you that are up here that need prayer this is what I want you to do you, you got your eyes closed and I want you to be just as as sincere as you possibly be I'm gonna ask you the question and, and if you don't know we're gonna pray that the Holy Spirit will enlighten it to you number one what is the real problem here Odds are, you know what it is. Odds are. There may be some of you with so much baggage that you look back into your life, you dealt with so much junk, so much, so, and it wasn't even necessarily your fault. Maybe it was stuff that you just suffered the consequences of somebody else's actions. Maybe it was something mom and dad did to you years ago. Maybe it was something that happened to you in school. It wasn't necessarily anything you did, but you suffered as the consequence, that's the root. 
And if you know what the root is, the real problem, and you're up here and you want to pray, raise your hand. Yeah, I know what it is. Raise your hand. Okay, some hands are going up. Okay, raise your hand if you know what the root is. Now, some of you don't. Some of you do. Now, right now, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, reveal to me the real root of this problem. Right now, pray that prayer. To yourself, people, right now, pray for them. Lay hands on them. Is this okay, church? We're asking for a revelation. What is the root? And as you're praying for that, here's the next step. The next step is be honest. Be honest with the Lord and be honest with yourself. Don't make excuses. Don't make up some kind of pretense. Don't, don't just say, here's what it is. Good, bad, and ugly. Maybe it was all your fault. Maybe it was none of your fault. Maybe you were a victim. Maybe you, maybe you perpetuated something. I don't know. Holy Spirit, right now in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would reveal, reveal the root. They're being honest with you. All right, now here's the next thing we're going to do. This is the next step. If there's things in your life that you need to confess, you need to make it right with the Lord. You need to come into agreement with God and say, God, I agree. This is wrong. I confess it to you. That is coming to agreement with God. Right now, confess it in the name of Jesus. Confess it. Listen, there is no shame in this place tonight. Now that you've confessed it, I want you to repent of it. That's just where you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to go a different direction through your word, through prayer, through good godly counsel, through good friends, through a new direction, a change of life, through redemption. I am going a different way. Now, listen, here's the next thing. I want you to forgive. I want you to forgive. And listen, that one right there is probably going to be the hardest thing of them all. You may have to forgive yourself. You may have to forgive a loved one. You may have to forgive a parent. You may have to forgive. I don't know. But you've got to forgive. It's only when you forgive that you're gonna sense this freedom. Listen, you weren't meant to hang on to that kind of hate. You weren't meant to hang on to that kind of poison and that kind of life. That's not what we're created for. And listen, when you leave this place tonight and you go home, 
and you're laying in bed and the enemy comes in and he's trying to plague your mind, he's trying to sow seeds of doubt in your mind, you rebuke him and you tell the Lord and you tell whoever you need to that you forgive, that you've forgiven them, you've forgiven yourself. And the final thing, the final thing is this. You make a committed, concerted, dedicated effort from this point forward that you are going to fill your heart and your mind and your spirit and your life with the things of God. You are going to get rid of anything that brings in junk, whether it's friendships, you know, any kind of relationship, whether it's TV, whether it's your cell phone, whether it's apps, I don't know, whether it's any anything that's gonna come again, you are gonna start filling your heart and that void with the things of God instead. You're gonna get in the Word, you're gonna stay in prayer. That's the only way that you're gonna be able to stay set free from this stuff. And the final thing that I'll tell this church The way that the church is going to change the world is by doing this right here. Right here. This is how the world is going to get set free from the junk that's facing it right now. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hands tonight. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for the several that have come tonight that are just struggling and dealing with things, this spiritual influence, these spiritual uh, battles that are going on in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, that the enemy comes in from fear and, 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 and depression and discouragement and lust and all these different things, Lord, that we battle. The spirit of this age, Lord, we rebuke it. And God, by faith, these that have come up here tonight, by faith, they are set free in the name of Jesus. And Lord, right now, we give you an applause for the work that you've done. Come on, church, give the Lord a hand clap for what he's done. We're going to let these that want to pray up here in this altar pray as long as they want, but the rest of you are dismissed. Thank you for coming tonight. God bless you on your way home. Be safe.